Post Game Beers Podcast. We are the Lupton Drinking Club. Thank you for listening tonight. Whether you are listening on a podcast the next day or in a week from now, we appreciate you being here. Um, if you're here with us live on StreamYard, we're grateful for that too. We're going to hopefully get to some of your questions. As well, you they're seeing it on in. YouTube, just to be clear. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. they got the YouTube link. Awesome. I, I oh. think I've heard of that website, um, yeah. but I'm old, so yeah, I'll, have to, I'll have to remember if I've heard of it before. Uh, appreciate you guys Anybody being here. Anybody know how to post videos to YouTube? <laughs> yeah, I, I learned. <laughs> so, I had to figure it out. So before we get started, we got a lot to talk about. Please like and subscribe to Post Game Beers. Uh, this is your favorite podcast, right? It, it has to be. We're the only podcast that talks about the frogs uh, regularly, I'm pretty sure, because I haven't looked up anybody else. Uh, you're already following us on social media at Lepton Beers, but here's who's not following us. Your dads, your moms, your siblings, maybe your friends. Who knows? Literally everyone you know is probably not also following us. So grab their phone, um, subscribe to the podcast on their phone. Uh, they don't even have to listen. It, that just helps us out. So we appreciate and ask them that. If they'll donate money to us too. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we're, we're grateful for uh, your patronage so far. Uh, I'm your host, Kyle Malloy. At YellowMK on Twitter, uh, joined by my co-host Jacob Sailors at JD Sailors on Twitter. Uh, Jacob, I'm going to start tonight. Um, I'm going to take us back a little bit. We got started on this pod in February of 2022. Um, there's been a lot of people who are listening right now, or maybe over the last year, that uh, don't really know our origin story. Can you break down why we're together, who we are, in like three minutes? Three minutes? Yeah. Let me try to do it in about 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So all of us, um, big TCU fans, I think three of us are alums. Um, Martin, a local Fort Worth guy, big fan. Ray attended TCU, local guy, big Fort Worth fan. Um, so when Twitter came about, you know, it kind of gave us this community of TCU fans that we didn't know in person. Right. So we started uh, following each other because of TCU sports and primarily baseball and would uh, eventually start running into each other at games. And we started a group text and we'd meet up, watch games together, talk about the games. And we'd spend half the time complaining that none of the podcasts covered baseball. So eventually we said, screw it. Why not us? Thank you, Jacob. (laughs) It's the first time we ever like officially. I don't need details you would like, but that's the 45 second version. I remember the first time I think we all, met up with down in Houston for yeah. the 2017 uh, Shriners Classic. Yep. And we got Kindle to do the Go Frogs. Yeah, we're That's right. Down there. Yep. We're down there watching the Frogs play LSU, play AM. and um, Met Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball. He took a picture with us. That was a lot of fun. Dude, um, that AM game, 15 innings didn't wrap up until 2 in the morning. MK, did yeah. you stay all 15? I had my son. So I yeah. think we I think we left around midnight because it was Didn't not. Taco take him to the bar. <laughs> he he walked him somewhere, and uh, my son still doesn't talk about it to this day. No, I'm just kidding. Jeez, uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm joking. He was he was a good babysitter for that night. Um, free babysitter, thank goodness. But our uh, we've got our our producer Crazy Ray Cartwright. We've got Martin Guerrero, and of course uh, the uninformed horse uh, Garrett Evans. Thanks for joining us, fellas. I have a question for the group. Who is the best one and three team in the Big 12? Is it Baylor or Texas Tech? Talk about a mountain of garbage at the bottom of the Big 12. You know, okay, uh, that I mean, sounds like a lot of butt. Yeah. 
the, it's the be- butt bowl of the century coming up. Can't wait. It's Texas Tech, right? Got to yeah, be. It has to be. He had Oregon on the ropes. So what about the quarterback? Because he got hurt this weekend. I well, they replaced him with the guy they all wanted in there anyway. He said, "They're just they were just getting real tired of Tyler Shuck." Didn't he get hurt too? Yeah, Morgan? I think he, like a broken fibula or something. No, no, like that, no, I believe, look, right? no, that's Shuck. Shuck was a starter. Shuck was a starter. He had moments of good play, and then like the worst, most devastating mistakes ever. And so they wanted, you know, the, the, the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on the team, right? So everybody wanted Baron Morton, Baron Morton. Well, now they're going to get Baron Morton. I yeah, don't know if be any good. He's raw as hell. And he's a West Texas guy, so, you know, everybody's got dust in their eyes when he comes in the game and completes a pass. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hometown boy. Hey, does Arizona State count? It's a question in the comment section. Dude, they uh, looked, they looked interesting against USC. Yeah, they lost Rashada though for three quarters. Uh, Rashada was always going to be the backup. Uh, they got that Pine guy okay. from Notre Dame, okay. uh, but he was supposed to be their starter, but um, he was injured. I guess the first two games of the season. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, Arizona State looked fine, I guess, uh, for three quarters, and then USC kind of just pulled away, but. Um, what's what's that running back's name? I don't know, man. I don't. I, 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 don't watch. I, yeah, don't watch I guess he's white. What's his name, Ray? Oh gosh, I don't remember. That dude did everything. He had a little Swiss Army knife. He he broke all the tackles. It was a it was a it was a fun. Uh, Scadaboo. That's his name. Scadaboo. Scadaboo. Yeah. It was a fun Pac-12 after dark game. We appreciate uh, you joining Jackson Day, uh, Damon as well, Selman, for uh, for joining the live chat. Uh, we're going to read some of y'all's comments throughout uh, this pod because uh, we, we appreciate the, you guys joining in and, and adding, adding some fun tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it more fun. Absolutely. Um, Frogs, uh, destroy the Mustangs, fellas. Uh, a lot of you watched the game, 34-17 to 17 in Amon G. Carter. This was a spicy 110 degrees in Amon G. But uh, Can we start there before we get into football? Absolutely. It was hot. I, I slept for about 12 hours after that game. That was some of the most brutal heat exhaustion I've had following a game. May Oklahoma State last year comes to mind. But my God, man, I was I was like medium well after that game. This was a, like, <laughs> like my insides were it, it was hotter than the previous two home games against – It was hotter uh, than Colorado for sure. Colorado and yeah, Nickel State. Yeah. What's crazy is, is the air temperature was actually hotter for the Colorado game. It just felt way more hotter for – Yeah, don't uh, get me wrong. Colorado was bad too. Game. It's just the humidity levels were so high. That's what did Now, granted, my water intake was a lot higher for Colorado because I was scared of the heat. I didn't really respect the power of the sun <laughs> going into SMU. So why did it feel worse <laughs> this last weekend? Because if, if it was actually hotter, I remember being in Colorado, I was like, I, I didn't – I mean, it was hot, but I didn't feel like I wanted to leave every On the space this Saturday night, people were saying it's the well, humidity. Yeah, yeah it's got to be the humidity, uh, man. As the LDC weatherman of record <laughs> – <laughs> noted. Um, it's definitely the humidity that made the air feel a lot more uh, unbearable. 
It's like you being in Houston. That was like watching a game in Houston. Who are our guys that wear um, that wear uh, Wranglers and, and and cowboy boots and hats and stuff? The, Rangers, baby. Rangers. The Rangers. That's right. So Anna, my wife, every time she sees them on the field, she's like, "Oh, I feel bad for them." <laughs> Dude, no joke. I felt bad for the dudes. I mean, you could see the sweat soaking through their vest. Dude, I can tell you as someone who did that in college, that vest is absolutely miserable this time of year. You'll sweat all the time. You're down there in blue jeans, too, and boots. Oh, it makes me think of, uh, you know, like uh, the first couple of games, you'll see pledges come to the games and they have to wear uh, suit jackets. Yes. And they not only that, Ray, when I was in school, at least I'd go down to the student section they made them all lay out, arms and legs extended on the bleachers to save seats for the upperclassmen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Welcome to TCU, boys. Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of the heat, um, yeah, it was it was hot, but uh, where was I going with that? Jackson says you're not you're you're saying the master of activities couldn't master the sun. Not on this day. <laughs> Not on this day. I'll be back. I'll be was back. this a was this a more impressive crock potting than the win over Houston, or was it just more satisfying because we were playing our crosstown rival? Is a better team I than think, Houston? Yeah, they're, they're. I think they're a much more quality uh, team right now than Houston is. So I think that that makes me feel a lot better. It seems like every week, well, excluding the Colorado game, every week from that point on, we steadily faced better and better competition. It seems like they're kind of getting better exponentially at the same time. Parker's um, net success rate chart, he still had us at a pretty wide margin over SMU, but not as much as Houston. But, yes, MK, I agree that it was a more satisfying win. It, it's, it's a better team. I was a little surprised at the – I guess because SMU moved the ball better on us than Houston did, That's that accounts for the smaller margin. It is interesting. You guys mentioned uh, a better team outside of Nickel State. It does feel like we've progressively got you know faced better teams. Um, well, they're better than West Virginia, SMU. Yeah. Do you think so? At least based on um, uh, was it SP plus? All right. Well, we're going to get there in a, in a little while. Um, I feel like we're we're jumping ahead a bit to next week. But um, where do you guys want to start? We can talk defense. We can talk offense. Uh, we can go quarter by quarter. I know you'll have a lot of notes. Um, yeah. So. Jacob, where do you want to start? Let's go quarter by quarter. All right. That's how I have it on my notes. First quarter. Um, so, again, uh, reminding the, the crowd who's joining us for the first time tonight, uh, Frogs beat the Mustangs 34 to 17 on the day. After the first quarter, it was 7 to 3. Um, there was a touchdown by Jared Wiley, who was targeted throughout the game, which was mm-hmm. nice. Um, what did you all see in the first quarter that uh, stuck out? Well, first of all, I have a new name for Jared Wiley. I will now be referring to him as Jared Kelsey Swift. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I didn't get to pod after the – it was the Colorado game, right? I missed. But one of the things I wanted to note was Jared Wiley looks like Travis freaking Kelsey out there sometimes. Dude, if he keeps playing the way that he is, he's going to be drafted as, as one of those I, guys. We were having that conversation in the bleachers. You know, we were thinking like, you know – Fourth round pick, you know, it's super wild guesses, but is that crazy? If I said Jared Wiley would be a fourth round pick, is that crazy? No, because th- you got Luke Luke Musgrave with the Packers. You've got Dalton Kincaid with the Bills. Yeah. Um, whoever uh, the, Sam the uh, 
Yeah, Sam, exactly. Laporta. Sam Laporta with with the Detroit Lions. Like all these guys are coming up, and they're they're already playing. They're they're playing their first year and catching passes. Why why yeah. can't Jerry Wiley do that next year? You know. Um, but yeah, for sure. Back to the game though. One of the things I noticed early on the rewatch, uh, SME was having some success running the ball in that first drive. So I was going back and just watching the plays over and over to kind of see why. Obiezor and Hodge were so amped up. It looked like they were just shooting whatever gap that the first gap they saw, they're just trying to get in the backfield and get a tackle for loss. And it opened up all these run lanes early. And I thought as the game went on, they maintained a little better gap control. Like if you look at the splits between first and second half on rushing, we shut down their rushing in the second half. But early on, SMU was running the ball really well. And being there live watching it, I was really surprised by that. But kind of makes sense why the linebackers just played a little too excited early on. Yeah, I have in my notes. Five-man box, easy to run against. And especially easy when we're not maintaining gap control. I feel like I feel like TC was daring uh, SMU to run the ball, um, which makes sense, right? Right. I mean, we're trying to get back there and get him in the backfield. It's like hell yeah, they're running. Let's go get him. Yeah, um, I feel like you know through through before the SMU game, I feel like we kind of dominated uh, the run game against pretty much every team that we played um, until SMU. They really took advantage of it, but um, I feel like TCU really tried to. Uh, eliminate the short stuff and SMU just kind of went with running the ball. I I really think they were stressing running the ball against us in this game. And then uh, with the long stuff, because that's pretty much all they could get against TCU. Um, whenever they, um, whenever TCU would rush three and not get pressure on Preston Stone. But I feel like they still, they still kept him. They, you know, Preston Stone didn't go crazy against us. I don't think he had a very good day, personally. And I think the yeah. receivers had a worse day. The receivers were not getting open. He had like three long passes that were completed. Yeah, one of those was early on to Jordan Hudson. Um, now, was it their – yeah, their first drive, right? We talked about this last night, but um, it was third and one, and they decide to – throw against a three-man box and that's crazy right you run it you get a first down um but what i noticed on that third down play was preston stone was locked into one receiver but he had his guy over the middle behind the safety wide open but preston stone looks to his left the guy's locked down he panics and throws it away and they punt yeah awful play call that's no, but it could have been That's for a touchdown. Just though, to too. the list of Rhett Lashley offenses for this game, especially the first half, just an awful coaching job. Yeah, I have like I have hundred notes in here, and on like the first page, I wrote "dumb" like three times. <laughs> I want to I want to go back to something y'all were saying about um, they were focusing on the run game. Was that because they wanted to establish it and kind of you know establish their dominance in that area? Or, or they, they, they felt like the secondary wasn't good enough because it seems like they had more success in that area, right? So, mm. I think they saw I opportunities mean, there. I mean, you look at the Colorado game. Colorado was able to run the pretty well. They didn't run the ball well. It was short passes, swing passes, wheel routes, things like they didn't run the ball at all, like traditional run anyway. Between the yes, tackles, wheel, <laughs> or even on the outside. They, Everything was everything was in the in the air. 
whether mm-hmm. it's short, mostly short passes. That's where they really got us. So we talked about first quarter. Uh, Frogs were up seven to three. Uh, moving on to the end, the end of the second quarter, it, it ended up being fourteen to uh, to ten uh, with with both teams scoring a touchdown. Wiley gets his second of the day. Um, the first touchdown for the Mustangs comes with just under three minutes left in the half. So kind of back and forth at that point. Um, we see some good stuff from the tight ends from TCU, but um, how are you guys feeling going into the half halftime? Okay, this is where I have a lot of thought. SMU had already lost the game going into half because of Rhett, because of Rhett Lashley. Let's go back to the first quarter. SMU moves the ball fairly well down to the field, gets down to the TCU six-yard line, gets stopped on third and two. It's now fourth and two. Line up, they're going to go for it. They instead, they burn a timeout, strike one. And then they decide to kick the field goal. Okay, you're SMU. I get wanting the points or whatever, but, man, you're on the road. Get two yards. You've been running the ball pretty well to then. So they came out like they were going to go for it, and then they called the timeout. I wonder if they thought Gillespie had the play sniffed out and knew exactly what they wanted to do because there was a when they stopped him on fourth down earlier, I noticed this on the replay. SMU sends a tight end in motion from left to right. Everybody shifts to that left side, and as soon as they snap it, it's like TC knew exactly what play it was on because they just attacked the point of attack right away and they get the running back for like a four-yard loss and turn it over. So when they come out and they see where TC is lined up on defense, they call the timeout and they decide to kick it. It's probably because, well, we're not, I don't want to lose points here because we got stopped on fourth down again. Okay. You know, I, I think that might be credit to Joe Gillespie. You burnt that's one timeout. That, that's crazy that they can't just – um, so call a play and then have an audible to change it to if you don't like the look. Right. And I noted I noted that too, going back to that drive where, where they had third and one against three man box. I said, it, can Preston Stone call an audible here? Right. You know, once they he really he really didn't game. do that all game. No, I had that noted for Chandler too, but that's another topic. <laughs> so that that play you are talking about that third and one, that strike two for Rhett Lashley. You know, first you don't run the ball in third and one or have the audible ready. And then right. you have to burn another timeout to punt. <laughs> That's bad. Okay, <laughs> so now you're down two times out, and then your punter shanks it. TCU gets the ball right back where they punted it from. At the 46, marches right down. Now it's 7-3. Yeah. Your third drive. <laughs> it's not even the third drive. Into uh, the first quarter, SMU has to burn another timeout. Yeah, they spent all three timeouts in their first quarter. Comes back to bite them <laughs> because they get the ball back in okay field position. You know they're probably about the 25, 30 yard line or so. At the end of the half, there's a minute thirty left on the clock. A uh, short pass, and they run, run for first down. Okay, clock stops. Right, that's fine to run mm-hmm. there. You got the first down. You decide to run the ball again. Yeah. Yeah. What the what what the fuck are you thinking? And then on top of that, you're not rushing to the line. You're subbing guys no. out, which allows TCU to sub. And do you think TCU is going to move at a at a very fast pace to get those subs in? No, wow, that's so like that 10 burns. seconds. That's ten free seconds right there. Dude, now they burn yeah, the clock I... all the way down. They run again. 
and then it's fourth down. They have to punt. Like, yeah, you I could have taken down. control. Oh my I goodness! Have you could have gone into the half week. with the lead. Dude, you yeah. could have gone in the half with the lead, at the very least tied the game, and given yourself some at least some hope coming in the second half. Because coming out of the locker room, that team looked like it freaking quit coming into the second half. I mean, what was Rhett doing? Yeah, I have WTF is Lashley doing on that drive. Okay, so let's sit on this for a second. Why would he be scared playing against TCU? Like, what's the, what's the point of that playing conservative? Dude, you shouldn't be. You're freaking there SMU. Yeah, yeah, there's no excuse for it, which <laughs> which makes it kind of so insane. You talk all this shit all week, oh, like- Power 3 conference, and <laughs> you come out there with no nuts? Well, Seriously? Brett Lashley didn't actually say anything about Power 3. It was, the, it was the three accounts on it was the three accounts on Twitter. Guilty by association. So I want to I want to keep going on that, Ray, because TCU gets the ball in the second half. They kick a field goal, and we'll get into that. But SMU gets the ball, and I think this is where the game ended. They get the ball. Um, they throw it three times. Three straight intermediate or long passes. Everything was covered. Quick three and out. TC gets the ball again. So before TC, before SMU really even gets a first down, TC already has six points on the board. Six more points with the two field yeah, goals. Yeah. They went field goal field. TC went field goal field goal in their first two drives. Yeah, that was that's before SMU even gets a first down in the second half. Yep. Did y'all yeah. notice how fast this game went? Like the because the possessions were so long, I felt like the fourth quarter dragged on. But because was, you're you're correct, the first the first half was like an hour and twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And first, I mean, TC only had four drives in the first half. Uh, that's not a lot, last, you know. When you, no, I mean, not. for TCU, you know, uh, that's not a lot. And guys, oh, TCU is really successful. Going in at halftime, I, I didn't feel nearly as confident as all you guys are saying going in at half, man. I was like, in my mind, I was thinking, well, they made some really bonehead play calling mistakes here, and yet they're keeping up with us. Eh. Uh, I, I didn't feel I didn't feel like that game was totally in hand wow. until that first possession SMU had in the third quarter where they went three and out, and we yeah. picked up more points on the back end. It's like okay, all right, it's it's done. They they've rolled over for us at that point. All right. So the biggest thing that worried me in the first half was that the SMU's defensive line and linebackers were kind of living in our backfield, especially on that right side of the line. They were just coming through. It was like guys were just going unblocked. Um, there was a lot of plays where guards and and guys were pulling and blocking nobody. Yeah. Um, the mm-hmm. the offensive. In the first half, the offensive line was a, a big uh, question mark for me. I, I thought that might be a way that SMU could get back in the game. Um, then I think on the last drive that TCU had, uh, Willis Patrick was, I guess, benched for the the guy from Maryland. John Deary. Colton Deary. So Deary came in at the end of the second half, and then he also came in at the end of the game uh, for – Willis Patrick, not sure why, but I have a lot of notes on the offensive line, a lot of plays where there was major breakdowns in communication, like they're not sliding into the right protection. 
it looks like it's it's not really they're getting out physical. It looks like a communication issue. I don't know who's responsible for communicating the coverage, but it's not working. Mm-hmm. There were way too many breakdowns. Does that worry you? We're we're four games into the season. I think that's easier to fix than if they just physically suck. Okay. Yeah, you can't teach size, but yeah. you can teach uh, blocking schemes. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't guys. It's not like they were out there looking like they were soft. It just looked like there were some technical issues that need to be cleaned up. But it's kind of been that way all year long. And like we were saying earlier, it's also kind of gotten progressively better as we've gone on too. But if you want to like nitpick, right, which you, you ha- kind of have to do whenever you win, you know, right. what, 34 to 17. Yes. Yeah, there's probably room to clean up offensive line. Now, and there's also room for uh, running backs to block, block, block better uh, as well. Trace, I, I had that noted. A couple, Trace Sanders and Jared Wiley both whiffed on blocks when they were yeah. seen in the tech. Chandler, Chandler did such an awesome job of bailing out, you know, breakdowns like that. Uh, but, Gary, mm-hmm. I, I want to say this. So, you felt nervous at the half. At the win probability at halftime was 71.9%. That's about <laughs> how that. I felt. Like, 70% we <laughs> were going to win. Love that. You know, so, it felt <laughs> to me like the first quarter of, of Houston where you're like, okay, I mean, they're technically still in the game, but this is just annoying at this point. They, you know, like, they need to get out of here. You know, save yeah, the first was, drive. You just don't want to – with a team like SMU, you just don't want to play with their food for too long. No. But, man, but I was surprised. They really, they didn't. Little... No, 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 they didn't. They didn't. It just you – know, those small frustrations kind of build up. But like you said, it didn't really matter. At the end of I the do day. think this is a really good SMU team, at least relative to SMU. And I was really surprised yeah. at how unthreatening they were. Maybe that just speaks to TCU. Mm-hmm. I think, I think we have a really good team. Still, because after that first drive, that first drive was a little rough. They were moving the ball, then you know, kind of got stuck in the mud once they crossed the 50 yard line. Yes, but Jordy Sandy, <laughs> what a weapon! You know, pins SMU deep, then SMU has just complete brain fart on their coaching staff, allows TCU to then march the ball right down. And that yeah, second yeah, yeah. drive, that's uh, that came with a couple of big conversions. I think there was a what a third and fourteen. There was a couple third and fourteens, I think. That I mean, Jalen Robinson, yeah, made some Robinson really nice plays, getting to the sticks, getting in the right position. Yeah, and he then, had a drop, but then he immediately caught a third and fourteen conversion right after that. They, uh, I've been my notes. <laughs> fourth and one, it didn't look like they were going to go for it. They call a timeout, then they go for it and get it. They're inside the red zone. Yeah, it was an inside handoff speed option. Which, to J- that doesn't to J- work. <laughs> Man. Oh yeah, dude, this one of those plays. Like, oh my goodness, what is Kendall thinking? Yeah, you know, if it works, he's a hero. If it doesn't, he's the goat, scapegoat, not the actual goat. But man, on that uh, that Jared Wiley touchdown, which one? What a play! The first one. Yeah, that was schemed so perfectly. Oh my yeah, goodness, that was dude. beautiful, man. How you get Jared Wiley matched up on a corner? All right, all right, all right. So here's what I noticed on that play, right? So you know how people have been upset that we throw a lot of balls to the line of scrimmage or whatever? TCU gave SMU that look. And SMU was like, oh, they're running that play where they throw it out to the flat. And everybody just sold out to the flat. Chandler does a little quick pump fake, and Wiley's wide open over the middle. So it's like one of those things where you run these plays to make the defense think that's your tendency – and then later on in the season, you can scheme off of that and do what the defense isn't expecting. 
So sometimes you have to run those plays to set up another play later in the year. And that, uh, was, that was a good example of that. This is earlier in the chat, but Jackson says it felt like Browse has progressively added pieces to the offense since the Colorado game. Bingo. Good catch. And right. these yep. uh, okay. pieces came to play out. You know, that second drive, you got a fourth down. Chandler, you know, gets rushed, has to throw off his back foot, hits Major Everhart. What a conversion. What a catch. Yeah, man. Chandler was amazing. Major Everhart, dude. Isn't that cool how Chandler – I think it's awesome how – how many guys had catches in this game? Was it like eight different dudes, dude? He just sprayed it around to so many different 11. Guys. I want to say yeah, 11 receivers 11. had catches. Right. That might be less Chandler, than last game. Chandler Morris in the first half, 13 of 15, 129, and two touchdowns. Yeah. That's mm. – That includes – And I think there was two drops. I think that was two drops. No, that, uh, was in the second – no, he – there was a ball um, – In the second half, threw it to JoJo. Trent Battle. Trent Battle was – The Trent, the Trent Battle. Oh, yeah, that was uh, – Battle, yeah. Missed yeah. out on an opportunity for, for Trent there. Yeah. You know, a little bit there. of a bad throw, but each of those incompletions hit dudes in the hands. They did. Mm-hmm. You know, they were close. Extremely catchable balls from Chandler Morris. <laughs> Here we go Big again. Big time. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back to when TCU punted on their first possession. You know, that was in SMU territory, and I normally hate that. But looking back on it and seeing how the game played out, I wonder if TCU knew they had SMU cooked on defense and they didn't need to force the action. Just just pun, pin them deep, knowing we're going to get the ball back right where we started or right, right where they punted, right where they <laughs> left off. And then they went down and scored a touchdown. I, I think if they – thought the game was even that they probably go for it there. Like they have to steal points. They have to steal a possession. Like but if we're playing like, Texas or, or Kansas state, we probably go for it there. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're probably right, but I'm not going to say that when I was sitting in the stands, I didn't super hate it. No, I I'm normally not a fan, but it it also told me like, well, we don't have to go for it here. We'll be fine. Right. I wonder if the, I wonder if the coaches think about that at all. It's like, I yeah, think- I, I could probably go for this, but I'm going to pin you deep because um, you suck. No, I definitely think that <laughs> when we go to Manhattan, we have the same situation. It's like we can't get in the ball. We we got to keep this ball. We got to go get points. You know. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, to hear um, it saying he's a little concerned about the first half. Did it concern you? We only rushed 27 yards. For 27 yards in the first half? 27 yards in the first half? Is that what it, what, what mm-hmm. total was? Yeah. Yep. What was our what was total total rushing for the game? I think so it was Amani like, had, I know Amani went over 100, 100 in the second half. Yeah, he had 100. He had 100 something total yards, dude. He has really really came out as a as a future back. But yeah, they they started slow in that first half because um all those, all those guys, SMU defenders were in, living in the backfield. Did you see that one play where Amani broke like four tackles and lost like a yard? <laughs> yeah. Um, was that the one near the goal line? Yeah. Okay. You should get some fantasy points for that. If he, <laughs> if he just takes that ball straight to the sideline and turns up, he scores easily. But for some reason, he cuts right up into traffic. And ends up taking a loss. And I also noted here, um, late in the first half, um, 
Imani Bailey misses huge hole, gains one. Yeah, their drive, so, their fourth drive of the half was not the best. Mm-mm. Three straight runs stopped no. on third and short. Yeah, we had a false start by Savion for some reason. One of one of his impacts of the game. They were actually going to throw it to him. He got excited. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Savion. I know, man. You know what I don't struggle with. You know what? Uh, you know what's not a struggle. I mean, what's that? Where to get my apparel for game day? <laughs> oh, there it is. Jacob, tell me about it. You guys know where I get my apparel from game for game days? Where? Where, where do you get? Okay, okay where should where should where would you go to get your apparel for game day? Hell's half acre. Ooh, say it again. Yeah. Wait, we got some new stuff at Hell's Half Acre. Tell me about oh, it. Tell us about it. No, I, I'm not looking it up. You tell somebody me. tell me about it. Yeah, I need to know. Going crazy yeah. over here. We got we, babe, wake up. New drop on Hell's Half. Acre. <laughs> oh, we got some new arrivals. Look at this. I'm, I'm yeah, all here. Nice frog we got some, pullover. Yeah, we got some quarter zips with the script frog. I love that. Quarter zip with the uh, vintage helmet. Uh, new polo. Love that. Got one in white. Got one in purple. Ooh, Go I check like that out. Healthhalfacresg.com is where you can get this. It's Weather's going to get cold eventually. You're going to need this quarter zip for game day. In January. It, it <laughs> cannot go wrong slick. with these row pads, well, baby. Can't, if it's can't still, go wrong yeah. with these. Yeah, love the row pads. Get you one of those. And if it stays hot, go get one of these script stripe polos. White or purple? Yeah, I could use some purple in my life. I've got way too much white. Yeah, I want that quarter zip, quarter zip real bad. I'm, I'm, I love electric. quarter zip. I'm wearing, wearing one right now, as a matter of fact. Except for the Big quarter zip guy. Because of yeah. the blackout. Am I right? All right. All right. Um, do you want to talk about red zone? I mean, probably We're, should. I saw M- MK went on a tweet rant after the game. Did you yeah, not? He was not happy. Did I? About the about the red zone. I did not go to we He's livid about the red zone. At least he was, was in the uh, group tab. Was it? At- it was only about twelve tweets, and I, I only regret three of them. Um, okay, let's break them down word by word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, twelve tweets straight about the same subject. Yeah. Holy no, shit! I did not uh, <laughs> use the F that's word. That's the joke. Six times in these tweets. You the F word? So in the moment, watching the game, there were times when I felt like uh, the offense was getting a little too cute. They were they were not taking advantage of what SMU was giving them, and um, I felt like they could just run it down their throat. They could, you know, Chandler was making passes left and right. He's got a 69% passing completion. Nice. Um, and I was like, well, let's just keep doing what we're doing. But there were a few plays that bothered me. Going back and looking at all of the red zone possessions, which I did, I did do that. Do y'all know how many red zone possessions the Frogs had in this game? Was it five? Four. Three at least. Five? Four, which is not Three. that many. Three, right? four. Four, four. Yeah, they had the fake field goal in the red zone at the end. And, and uh, why was it so few? Right. You don't remember, like, because we still scored 34 points. Uh, didn't Amani have that one touchdown like right outside of the red zone? There you go. 
Mm-hmm. So they scored a couple times from, you know, 24, 30, 40, whatever yards, right? right? So you can't really count mm-hmm. those because they were great plays. So looking back, um, you know, the in terms of runs versus passes, it's pretty equal, uh, whether you break it down by first half, second half, you know, what they were doing on the field. Watching it again, I feel significantly less bad than I did during the game. I, I think feel they were great. I think, right. there were, I think there were a few plays that broke down in the middle of the game, and I'm like, why would you do that? And looking back, I'm like, eh, you know what? Some plays are not successful. Okay, I want to I take it play by play for these red zone possessions, okay? So first drive, second half. Punt, um, punt, punt, punt. No, <laughs> Punting in the red zone. That's a bold strategy <laughs> there, Cotton. Yeah, pin them back because the defense was on. <laughs> really on yeah, you can pin them way deep. That's, that's good for Jordan Sandy's donation, his charity. Dude. That's a Gary Patterson as Randy Marsh meme. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So first drive, second half, um, they march right into the red zone. Really nice plays. But here's where I start. All right. Red zone play one. They, They do a run play. The guard and tackle both pulled. Chandler fakes and runs to the opposite side. And there's nobody there to block. That's It was a weird play to me. But it doesn't matter because we held on the play anyway. So... We're complaining about red zone. Well, we're starting at first and or second and 20. So you're already in trouble here. But next play, they hand it off to Imani for six. And then this is the play where JoJo Earl had oh. the drop. But Chandler Morris had a wide open tight end. I think it was Jared Wiley over the middle. Yeah. But it looked like Chandler was, you know, predetermined to go to JoJo. He never even looked at Wiley. He swings it out to Jojo, he drops it. He probably only gains like four yards anyway. But the the scheme allowed for there to be a touchdown there. The next play, um, Chandler misses JPR on a high throw right at the sticks. It would have been a first down. They kick a field goal. Dude, that would have been a a touchdown. It was a really nice throw. So, yes. If that's that's a good throw, if that throw's on the money, that's four. He's at least getting a first down, like inside the five. So, Yes. That's a problem. That is a failed red zone drive, in my opinion. But it's not on Kendall Bryles. They didn't execute. Yeah. So let's go to the next one. Don't call the hold play. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. So this was an interesting play because seeing it live. um, All right, so this is TCU's second drive of the second half. Uh, Red zone play one. It was just outside the 20, so I counted it. I thought – live that Chandler overthrew Warren over the middle, but on TV Chandler is chewing Warren Thompson out for not taking his route deeper. So that's another failed execution. It should have been a touchdown. Uh, second, second play, they go right back to Warren on a slant first down. Great play. Um, handoff to Monty for two. Uh, red zone play four lands Rolls the snap back to Chandler, but Chandler bails him out and gets the ball to Amani for five yards on a handoff. What that was, was that, that was snap? <laughs> it's just it goes with the theme that anybody mad at Kendall Bryles for red zone should not be. That was a little, it was hilarious because Chandler didn't skip a beat. He just grabbed it and it popped it up just like yeah, he didn't actually to. hand it off, which the timing of the play had to have been so messed up. So that was amazing. They got anything out of that, but the next play. It goes back, they hand it off to Amani again, and this is the play we talked about where if he just stretches it to the sideline and cuts up, he scores. 
but he decides to cut up into the SMU where their linebackers and cornerbacks were, and he gets all tangled up, breaks a couple tackles. They end up settling for a field goal. What's the issue with Amani doing? I mean, because obviously he's got great he's speed. Good. It, it his, was his just footwork is awesome. Is it vision problem? No, this look, look. I was like breaking everything down play by play, and when you do that, you're gonna see some things that aren't good. That just happens. It's fine. Not no nobody's gonna be perfect. I don't think he has a vision problem. It was just a couple plays where, if he's watching it on film, he's probably mad at himself because like, damn, I should have had a touchdown there. Because that's what I saw. And he still had 150 yards. Yeah, he's offense. fine. It's just a couple plays where he just didn't see the hole. Um, usually, usually, you know, sometimes the hole ain't there. Maybe yeah. he's still the hole not being there. He doesn't know where the hole is. Are we spoiled <laughs> having a NFL running back on our team last year and we're kind of expecting the same results, you know? I you think NFL running backs on Amani Bailey's fine. I think Amani Bailey is an NFL running back. Yeah, he's very good. I think we were spoiled that we don't have three NFL running backs. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next next drive. So that's two field goals start the half. But it's fine because our defense is absolutely locking down SMU. But this was just outside the 20. Imani Bailey ran for 24 yards. Touchdown. We noted that. Uh, the fourth drive. Okay. This is where the game really got kind of crazy to me. Um, inside run, zero yards. To Savion. That was yes. a jet sweep to Savion. Yeah. yeah it was like mm-hmm. Savion. Why? I don't know. Weird play. I don't, I don't think it was supposed to go inside. I think it was supposed to go outside, but there was like three guys unblocked out there. Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. I think there was um, miscommunication on that from the get-go. All right, red zone play two. I have no idea what Chandler was doing. Threw it right to the linebacker instead of waiting for Wiley to come open. That was a touchdown. Wiley was open. If he, he was open. If he just sec- throws it over the linebacker, it's a touchdown. <laughs> I, I have no idea. He was he was open in the end zone. All right. Red zone play three. Underneath screen to Blake Noel. And I'm thinking, if this game was close, I don't think they call that play. I think it was an experiment. Uh, they'd kind of use Blake sporadically throughout the game. But if the game if if it's like a crucial part of the game, that's not the play they're going to, right? If it's like going if to Jalen Robinson. If it's a touchdown to win the game, they probably do something for like five or six yards and then go for it on fourth down. So they faked the field goal, which was a disaster. And to me, that was like, it's almost like they turned the game into practice time at that point. Could you imagine if it worked? So, (laughs) so here's my overall, that's, that's all I have for red zone plays, but overall take on the red zone is because that's like the main thing everybody's complaining about, right? Red zone. Can we just agree that throwing interceptions in the end zone is bad and we shouldn't do it? <laughs> yes, I Where agree. Did that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you're saying the red zone problems are we've we've turned the ball over in the red zone, yeah, I agree with you. So let's just stop doing that. Now let's break it down further. Are you mad at Kendall Bryles? I don't think you should be because we're, we're not executing down there. Now, with that said, in this game, you know, we get in the red zone – Four times, and we come away with 13 points. It's not ideal, but when it was competitive, you know, one touchdown and two field goals, that's better than turnovers. 
there's things to, to clean up. There's things to fix, but it wasn't a disaster. If you're, if you're, if, if you're not, I don't know. It's if the game's competitive, then you got to score touchdowns. But if you have control of the game and you're kicking field goals and not turning the ball over in the red zone, I'm okay with that. I have uh, I've deleted all my tweets and also deleted my account. So oh, okay, this is interesting. As well, you should. You want to read that? Okay. Nelson Reynolds chimes in. Thanks for joining us, Nelson. Sonny said Wiley ran the wrong route, guessing an anticipation uh, throw that looked bad since the team or since the tight end wasn't where he was supposed to be. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks, Nelson. So, um, so like you said, it sounds like a lot of uh, not executing. And I think that is probably why we don't have a number one receiver on the team yet. Because guys are not executing. Guys are not where they're supposed to be. Guys are having drops. So I think once they clean that up, I think we are going to see somebody. Maybe it's Wiley who is the red zone guy. He's going to have, you know, 20 touchdowns this year or something. But there is opportunities to be had. You know, Jalen Robinson doesn't look half bad either. No, and I they're going to get better as games go, which is why I really like the schedule because it gives us opportunity to do that. We're it's not a, ready. We're not it's ready actually, it's a perfect games. schedule to to jump in to harder competition as you move along. Yeah. And you're not touching anything. I mean, we thought Tech was going to be a, a tough game on Thursday night. Um, so much for that. So, I mean, really, it's your first test. I well, think tough. Your, your first test is truly at Kansas State. You know, in Manhattan, which you're still talking through what three or four games for now? Yeah, yeah. we have West three Virginia, weeks. Iowa State, BYU. Correct. I like it. I love it. Yeah, we're we're gonna get better every game, and then I think we'll be ready to go to Manhattan. I like no, that the BYU game is right before Manhattan. They yeah. kind of play real similar. Yeah, good point. Um, there was an interesting uh, tweet sent out. I think he's a Texas account at CJ underscore Vogel um, about missed tackles through week four. TC yeah. was third worst in the league with 51. And Jacob, you mentioned something about how that was 37% of our missed tackles throughout the year. Did you look into, into more of that? In no, of- um, because I, I just knew that it was a big deal. We missed 19 tackles against Colorado. I, I was surprised that it wasn't a higher percentage that Colorado game. And as I was thinking about it, I think all the, a lot of the missed tackles since then haven't been consequential. It may be like the first guy misses, like say a cornerback doesn't get the tackle, but the safety's right there to clean it up. Something like that, you know, like they're flowing to the ball a lot better. And it's not a, just a bunch of one-on-ones where first guy misses is going for a damn touchdown. I, do you can you think of any in the last couple of games where shit they missed that tackle and it killed us? No, because the defense has been out freaking standing these last three games. Yeah, I agree. Why do you say that, Ray? They've played twelve quarters of football. MK, how many touchdowns have they allowed in twelve quarters of football? Would that be two? That would be two. Bingo, man! You know ball, bro. Right, Only two touchdowns in three games. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, 
and they're getting turnovers. I thought it was funny that um, – so Preston Stone threw two interceptions on Saturday, and it's funny because – he so before every actual interception, he almost threw an interception. So like, <laughs> yeah, the very yeah. next pass was an interception. Like he really, <laughs> like okay, the Nomi uh, Naomi A's uh, A. My goodness, I'm gonna butcher this dude's name all year. Nomi Obia. Nomi Sound it out, Ray. <laughs> it's Don't like you're to say both of them at the same time. So anyway, so he almost uh, he he gets a sack and then almost gets an interception, and then that's when Josh Newton makes a just a fantastic play to undercut the route. But that second interception, he tried to throw it. He tried to get it to Avery Helms, but Avery Helms turns his ankle midway through the play and can't complete the catch. They go right back to that same general area, and then yeah. Bud Clark's waiting there. Like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll take this. Preston Stone's receiver screwed him. I thought they did a good job breaking it down on the broadcast. Like, the receiver ran such a lazy route. Bud Clark was able to stay in perfect position the whole time. We've got a uh, – we're talking about the defense, the success of the defense so far, obviously giving up only, you know, 14 uh, points uh, in, or, you know, in terms of touchdowns, I guess. But – uh, there's a question from Bodog. Bodog, uh, what do you guys think about the pass rush so far? It's been three okay. sacks, three sacks on the day. It's okay. I don't think the defense is designed to be this, you know, sack heavy quarterback pressure defense. And when it, we talked about this last week, when it doesn't work, it looks horrible. But they did a great job of keeping tight coverage on their wide receivers, and I think. You saw on Saturday the way the defense was designed to be. Like, don't give the quarterback anywhere to go. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody expects this three man front to, you know, be like three Chandler or three Parson out there. Michael Parsons. <laughs> yeah, Michael Parsons. Uh, Chandler Parsons uh, is a Dallas. We've Mavericks. got a story <laughs> if it's Chandler Parsons out there <laughs> dragging his leg around. Wow, this guy is so tall. <laughs> even, even though uh, uh, who's that? Dominic Williams almost had that safety at the end of the game, but um, almost had that was a freaking safety. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen more. I saw on Sunday more of a safety uh, where Michael Parsons was held in the in the end zone against Arizona, but whatever. Um, you digress. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they called but, the holding. And they didn't give him the safety. Exactly. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> but I told you last week, like, or w- I don't know when I told you, but uh, any reason they have to not call the safety, they won't call the safety. It is a very this punitive play. First time hearing this. We are the AT and T Drinking Club. Uh, thanks yeah. for joining us tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're, they're still doing a good job of mixing up blitzes with their safeties and their linebackers. Did you hear what uh, on the broadcast what they called it the green dog or something? Yes, yeah, I did hear that. Have you ever heard that before? I've never heard Just, that. Before. If no. he has no one to cover, go kill the quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Explain that more. Uh, so on the broadcast, they just said that. Uh, so one of the linebackers, either Banks or, or Hodge, or it was Chad. Um. So whenever 
I guess there's somebody who's spying the quarterback during that time. And then I guess uh, if there's green grass in front of you, you're supposed to go, um, I guess, put pressure on the quarterback. Like the the there's nobody to yeah. cover. I guess I guess originally you're you're supposed to be covering somebody, but if there is nobody to cover, like let's say you got the tight end or the running back out of the backfield, but if they're staying in to pass protect, then I guess you blitz. It's like a delayed blitz. I never got the feeling that Preston Stone was just sitting back there with all day to throw. No, but I feel like he got away from the pressure pretty easily. Sure. He's a he's a talented dude. I think he had a bad yeah. game. QBR 43.9. Chandler Morris had an 89.8, by the way. Second in the Big 12 behind Quinn Ewers for the week. We've got a very relevant question in the, in the, uh, in the chat um, <laughs> uh, based on our current conversation. Shay asks, are y'all repeating the 9 by 9 by 9 this year? The dugout was very invested in it last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. It seems like a lot of people want us to run it back, but I was thinking, like, let's not run it into the ground. Let's do something else. But shoot, Did- man. If this is what the people want, Give does anyone else want to what join us? <laughs> <laughs> who else is going to join us? That's what I want to know. Well, who, who wants to try it with us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we can get some people to try it with us. Thing is, it. It's, all right, all right. Here's the thing. If people are willing to donate money for it again, because it's hella expensive. Especially if you don't do it on Sunday, which everyone wanted us to. And I'm like, sorry, a lot of us have jobs. Dude, I was, yeah, I was you useless. Speak for yourself. I could have done it. Every day of the week. It could have been a Tuesday night. Ray will do it on Sunday because it's so cheap. It'll (laughs) save us some money. (laughs) Yeah, but I was so useless that next day. I was there's no way I could have gone to work. (laughs) Uh that's funny. All right. All right, fellas. So before we jump into the rest of the Big 12, what else on the game? Oh yeah. Anything else? Anything else on the game? Yes, I had something about the game. For special teams was basically perfect. Yep. Okay. Um, what what did we have? Seven kickoffs, six of them were touchbacks. I know the only the last kickoff of the game where he um where Kel was like trying to get him to return it, they got five yards. So on seven kickoffs, five return yards. We punted it twice, zero punt return yards. Didn't miss a field goal, didn't miss uh extra point. Uh we had a a punt downed in the twenty. Yeah, perfect special teams play. So I know I noted that Jordan Sandy specifically was incredible, but people are only going to remember that day for the fake field goal. Yeah. <laughs> TCU special teams good. SMU special teams bad. Yeah, yeah and if we'd have done an SMU preview. I was going to make that point because I was looking at the SP plus and SMU's special teams is killing them this year. Ours, oh ours has been a positive. Power doll. Kicker needed some confidence. He was like two of six going in or two of five going into the game. Did we mention the um, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Colton Deary? <laughs> no, but man. All right. Uh, didn't so they, didn't show, they didn't show a replay of it. Yeah, they didn't show a replay of it. They did? They didn't. No, okay, that's what I thought. But I'm now of the opinion that Colton Deary actually did not commit a penalty because you can yeah. hear on the broadcast right after that, Sonny just saying words that I can't even repeat on this podcast to the referee. <laughs> words that would make his mother cringe. 
Jag Nabbit, you son of a gun. And I thought it was just so funny. Like, Nate. just Nate. losing his mind. And he's just undressing this ref, right? Dude, meanwhile, by his first name. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the offense is out there. They're they're like, you know, they're set. Chandler snaps the ball and he throws the ball. All this is going on in the background. I'm like, man, football culture, man. This is just what they do. <laughs> At least it wasn't Big 12 refs. <laughs> Dude, yeah, okay. How does an American a conference officiating crew get put on a Big 12 game at home? Don't they do that for non-conference games regardless of the opponent? It's probably Big 12 refs going to Dallas every other year. <laughs> so I I will give them credit for not being flag happy on pass interference. Because we did a great job of having tight coverage on the wide receivers. And remember last year when Rasheed Rice just cooked us for like five DPIs and Hodges Tomlinson is like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> on we those underthrown balls? Yeah, we didn't see any of that on Saturday. They let him play out there. I feel like we were, we were talking about that a lot. You got you got rewarded for underthrowing the pass. Yeah. You know? Over and over last year. Yeah. It kept him in the game for a lot of that game. Garrett, um, I know you were the most confident in our team after the Colorado game of any of us, including anyone online. However, we're we're three and one. We beat Nickel State, uh, Houston, and SMU. How are you feeling now uh, compared to where we can be at the end of the year? I'm very, very confident, man. My confidence has not wavered. Like we we continue to grow, like we were talking about earlier. I think um, the way the schedule's kind of lined up, we're slowly starting to clean things up. We're getting into Big 12 play, and things are clicking at the right times. Um, I think I predicted a one-loss season. Yeah, I did. A one-loss season at the beginning of the year. Maybe I, I got the team wrong um, in that one loss. Maybe maybe it's two, maybe it's two losses, but uh, I'm still very confident that this TCU team's going to make its way to Arlington. I still believe that. Yeah, I agree with you. I had two losses, and I, too, think I got the team right. I think we beat K-State now. What about you guys? Where are you all at? Feeling pretty good. I think we always knew that this stretch of the schedule was going to be, you know, lighter, right? Like many were saying, could TCU be 7-0 heading into the Kansas State game? And that's whenever you really know about your schedule. But it's just the way that TCU is beating these teams. You know, they're kicking mm-hmm. some ass. Save the Colorado game. Didn't do a lot of ass kicking there. But, man, these, but again, uh, these like, last three looking weeks. Back on that, looking back on the Colorado game, man, like now that we're a few weeks away from it, I just I can't help but think about how we were just in such a bad situation going into that thing. And everyone who's played them since has had more and more and more film to essentially expose them, like Oregon just did, right? I think if we had played that, if we played the same Colorado team in week, you know, four, week five, week six, uh, I don't think it's even a, a, a close ball game at all. We just no, kind of ran into a tough situation. I mean, not knowing, not knowing what you're facing there. But I mean, that is what it is. That's football. So I'm glad you, we you I'm learn. Still you glad, I'm still glad we played them first. I'm still glad we got to be in that spotlight. I'm still glad that I got to have the excitement leading up to the first game. 
Yeah, it made it a lot. Of fun. It didn't work out in our favor. I was, I was like, fine, bring it on. We'll be the first ones. No, you're right. You're right. And from here on out, man, like, I, like you said, that my my confidence really hasn't has not wavered. And Thomas made a great point in the chat here. Um, that tech game that looked so scary before having to go into Lubbock on a Thursday that it's not look scary anymore, man. What did you guys? What what was the general opinion? I I had it down as a win. I had it down on a win, but it I, it was shaky. I, I was going to be shaking in my boots going to that game. I don't think anybody really is right now. I mean, it's still Lubbock at night, but I, I think we can pretty well handle handle that. Well, spot. the last time we played Lubbock at night, we beat them by like fifty points. So mm-hmm. the biggest so, question, mm-hmm. the biggest question I had before the season wasn't necessarily Texas or Oklahoma. I felt like we could pull one of those off, but it was Kansas State because I thought they'd be better than they are. And I, I yeah. don't think they're as good as advertised. I think they're still um, solid. I think solid is a good word for them, but the does it, but they're not. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make the Big Twelve championship. Is what they're I mean. more no. BYU. Like Martin UCF said. gave them a run for their money with the backup quarterback. Right. Um, Kansas State is a bad matchup for TCU because we run that three three five, and their uh, run blocking is so good. And DJ Giddens is really good. He could run for 200 yards against us, but I, I do think TCU goes up there and steals the win. You just got to knock out the quarterback, Martin. Uh, All right, yeah. let's uh, let's quickly hit the rest of the Big 12, and we have a question from Nelson. We can start here. Let's start Who's- at the bottom and work up. <laughs> uh, start with the Nelson question. Who's going to be looking for uh, a new? Head coach first, Tech, Iowa State, or Oklahoma State? That's a- None of the three, Baylor. Baylor. Baylor should yeah, be yeah, numero man. uno on that. But list. of those three, Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy. All right. Here's my only thing about Oklahoma State. I think – Nastiest divorce of all time. You remember when Gary was bluffing the administration and saying he could be there as long as he wants? And it's like Gundy is taking that same bluff, but what if he wins it? And he does get to stay there as long as he wants. Good. I hope he does. <laughs> yeah, I think let's let's replace Tech is not gonna fire Joey McGuire. Not at all. So let's let's say it's Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. It's Baylor. I, it's gotta be Baylor still. I I, I, I don't Miranda Miranda Miranda, lost. I think I'm working. All right, all right. This is a good point. Um <laughs> Houston. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, a follow up. I, I, I follow up about the new schools. Yeah, a follow up question from Cyclone Larry. Do you think Joey McGuire would take the Baylor job if offered it? Hey, thanks for jo- thanks for joining Cyclone Gary. <laughs> <laughs> He's not on the chat. I'm just. This is a Cyclone Twitter question. Larry. I know. This is, I'm tw- this is a Twitter question that he he sent out earlier, and I was like, I know. I'm joking. That's, it, I know, but it's very interesting because I don't think he would. But would he consider it? You know, uh, supposedly no. he enjoyed his time there. I don't think he'd take it though. Do you think Tech would give him a contract extension and says he has to climb two cranes in the off season? <laughs> a lot of people are attributing Baylor's success in that first year with Aranda to Joey McGuire and the way that he recruited. The thing about Tech right now is they're recruiting really well. Are they? Yeah. yeah, they are. Did you guys watch any of the games around the Big Twelve? Anything uh, y'all off the top? Texas Baylor for a bit. Um, I was just curious on how long that was going to last. 
Um, that was one of my uh, seven wins of the day in gambling. I thought that was free money. It was uh, plus 17 for Baylor. I took Texas. That was ne- never had a doubt uh, with Oklahoma Cincinnati. I didn't think they had the the horses uh, to be able to you know put up with that. Took Oklahoma. Uh, took Oklahoma and got a push. It was minus fourteen. They won by fourteen. Kansas you, BYU was fun for a little bit. Yeah, that was a good game. I had I took BYU. That was a tough beat. I, the spread was eight. I think the it was like nine or something. Eleven. Yeah. Eleven. Okay. Still, yeah. yeah. Yeah, BYU was in that game late. Would you consider West Virginia the biggest surprise of the Big 12 so far? Yeah, but I still don't think they're very good. Okay, why so? Um, they played good teams. They're, or beat they're, good teams. Their SP plus rating is below SMU's. So if you think SMU is good, they're a slightly worse version of West Virginia. So they have a so they, so SMU. I haven't watched West Virginia, but from what I understand, do they have a better defense, maybe a worse offense? They can't score. Okay. The thing is, Tech can't either. So they'll never score on TCU, but we just got to put up <laughs> a few points. So it might be something, it might be a low-scoring game for the Frogs, you know, something in the 20s. Maybe we give up a touchdown or a couple field goals, something like that. I think we're going to kick their ass. Um, Oklahoma State loses to Iowa State, which is just funny to me. I don't know why. that. Just a sad game all around. Did you see the over-under on that one? <laughs> what was it? It's like 31 points. <laughs> There's no way it was 31. No, hold on. I'll pull. I'll pull up my mate. You're you're thinking of the wrong Iowa team in anything that's going to be involved. I don't know, man. The- I'm telling you. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but, but Iowa State put up 34, and Trash. Oklahoma State put up 27. Shit, yeah, they were they were waiting for the over under to be so low that they finally scored some points. Does that mean South Alabama's yeah. better than Iowa State? <laughs> okay, yes. it wasn't that low. I don't have it written down because I didn't even have that on my list of games to watch. But <laughs> you're not Iowa, a sicko. Iowa Penn State was 40 points, and I guarantee you, Oklahoma State, Iowa State was somewhere around there. Kansas State uh, pulled away from UCF later. Um, it was close for a half, and then uh, yeah. and then they kind of you know established their their will against that. So all of the the new um, members of the Big 12 have lost their first game in the Big 12 by double digits or more. First of many. And then Houston uh, picks up the biggest quote-unquote win in terms of beating their opponent the worst uh, by beating Sam Houston 38-7. to Oh, my goodness, Jacob. You're right. That over-under was 36. Okay, yeah. I knew it was, I knew it was around there. So That's Iowa State disgusting. almost covers themselves. God, <laughs> well, they disgusting. Each, they each almost hit the over by themselves. Out of the teams in front of TCU or not in front, uh, tied with TCU in, co- in conference standings, Kansas State, Texas, and Oklahoma. I'm not going to count Kansas because they don't play each other, so we can deal with that later. But OU, Texas, and Kansas State, we still think they might drop one of those, but likely not two or three. Yeah. I, no. I got a lot of questions about OU. I was going to say, I, I, I want to see more of OU before I'm starting to get – any type of scare to them right now, to be honest. Think, I was thinking about this today. Do you think Brent Venables would trade Dylan Gabriel for Chandler Morris right now, straight up? Yes. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Right. Yeah, definitely. Dylan Gabriel is going to lose them a game on his own, and it might be Dude, to the, us. The list is pretty short of Big Twelve coaches. 
that wouldn't trade their starting quarterback for Chandler Morris right Chandler now. Chandler Morris is doing so well right now. So I haven't watched OU nope. at all. Can you tell me why that is? Dylan Gabriel's not a good quarterback. He can't throw downfield. Everything's underneath and short. Um, they just have no explosiveness in their offense. And their defense is decent. They have they have probably the best defensive player in the Big 12. I don't know. Maybe someone on Texas has something to say about that. But his name is uh, – crap. I can't remember his name right now. Stut- Stutzman, something like that. Martin, Stutzman. Do you remember? Stutzman, yeah. He's a machine. But I think Dylan Gabriel is going to single-handedly lose them games, maybe more than one, hopefully to us. I'm looking for questions in the chat. But fellas, um, what are the things we got to talk about before we sign off and get excited about this weekend's matchup? Danny Stutzman is his name. We have we, – we got confirmation this afternoon that – we're going to have, what's their names, um, Moneyline Mac and those guys from the West Virginia podcast. They're going to come on tomorrow. Sweet. So whoever can make it, doesn't have to be all of us, but we'll get a West Virginia preview episode tomorrow. Sweet. Good deal. Um, Imani Bailey leads the Big 12 in rushing. Nandi Obiazor is third in the Big 12 in tackles. He's having a great what about, year. What about total yards? Chandler Morris is first in the Big 12 right no, now. Dylan Gabriel has 100 more yards than him. Oh, does he really? What about completion percentage? 69%, baby. It's <laughs> very nice. 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 Um, I'm going to get a PFF account and get into the deep stats. We'll talk about that more next week. Stats of frogs over here. We're starting up our. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we're taking over the space. Well, I'll tell you what happened was I was for a defector. I was talking to Parker about the offensive line, and somebody jumped in and said, "Parker, can you come back? I know nothing about my team anymore." And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, then noted. PFF <laughs> count today, then. All right, I'm gonna, ch- <laughs> gonna try to chime in with some chat stuff. Thanks for thanks guys for joining us. Um, how impactful will Jordan Bailey's return be from Jackson? Minimal. Yeah, he's a freshman. Because I, right? so. I think him, I think of him and uh, Major Everhard as kind of the same kind of player. All right, and I really like Major. Yeah, Major's been he, he had a good game. Um, Let's see what the depth chart says. Thomas says pretty cool how the whole TCU Twitter sphere is blacked out. Even some of the coaches agree, Thomas. Um, yeah, including us. If you're not blacked out, what are you doing? Jordan Bailey is fifth on the depth chart. There's only one blackout, and I recognize. That's blackout drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure where you're going with that. <laughs> it, it ended up pretty good. All right. Uh, Jack Beck question. Uh, is Beck or Besh? Did I, what, did I, what did I say? I think it's Besh. There. Bash, all right. Uh, so Jack Bash, um, yeah, he didn't play in the last game. Was he out for? Was he have an injury? He was hurt. Yeah, up. he wasn't even. He wasn't dressed. Okay. But they've used JP Richardson in that same kind of role that Jack's been, and JP's been more than okay. I thought Jack was kind of a wide receiver slash tight end, but I guess he's been playing more wide receiver for the Frogs. Uh, they they have him third on the depth chart. In the slot, and that might be he might be third because of injury, but he's behind JP Richardson and JoJo Earl. 
Well, I mean, it's not hard to get in front of Jojo Earl. Jojo Earl is a playmaker when he can catch the ball. <laughs> that's the that's the problem. Yeah. But catch catching catching said football. I think he might have more drops than catches. Hey, what's uh, I think he your actually number does. one? I, I don't think that's I don't think that's even a joke. I think he legitimately no, I, does. I wasn't joking. Do you see hey, me laughing? Guys, I have a I have a question. <laughs> I have a question. I don't know much about football. Can y'all answer this for me? What is a wide receiver's number one job to do? Score touchdowns. No, I'm kidding. Catch the ball. Block. Run blocking. Block. Outside. <laughs> they do that a lot more if you want to play devil's advocate. But, yeah, we got to clean up the drops all around. Not just yes. JoJo. There's other guys dropping the ball too. Is that uh, – maybe that's Chandler's fault. Let's go there. Uh, does he throw a weird ball? Martin. Martin, discuss Chandler's <laughs> balls, please. Listen, very, very listen Chandler, I really like you, man, but you threw a really weird ball. Yeah, we are need his to... are his balls <laughs> catchable? I don't see no wobble in his balls. <laughs> nice and tight. Uh, I think that's an ender. <laughs> I agree. Uh, last statement from Jackson before we end the show. Uh, now that we're Making it the heart of the season, do we think that Chandler will get more or less freedom to run? I think he's getting more freedom to run, Jackson. Um, each game, I think you see him a little bit more kind of push that limit. He's getting more comfortable with himself. I think Ray talked about this a couple episodes ago, where what he's been, he's been, um, you know, he's got a he's got a coach kind of walking him through that stuff, right? Oh yeah, he's got a mental coach on the, uh, mm-hmm. that helps him. You know, not just with you know football, just helps him with life. But he's not being over aggressive, but he's been taking the opportunities when they've been presented to him to run the football. And he's also not taking contact, which is great. I don't think there's been a single run that I'm like, don't do it, you know, like where you're yeah. worried about him. Like he's actually taking you, the right, right risk. Oh, I did notice. Um, or Were I did you all know. worried whenever Chandler got whacked in the head pretty hard there at the end of the Dude, game? Dude, yeah. Can we talk about that? That, 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 was, that was so worrisome when his helmet comes off. Like, oh, dude, if you're talking about the offensive line earlier, I'm surprised we didn't bring that up. That was very upsetting. But well, I don't know if that play was offensive line's fault. Offensive. I think that was yeah. I think that was a running back. He just got tracked down He just got tracked down. And, just and he tried to slide yep. kind of thing. I did notice that once the game was totally out of reach, it was like a whole new game started, and they were playing for pride points. Like, both defenses were blitzing their ass off. They were taking shots downfield. <laughs> Calling timeouts, and I just absolutely love that Sonny threw that deep ball on fourth down to uh, Chase Curtis. Uh, well, that wasn't a that was it wasn't a deep ball. It was kind of a wheel route out of the backfield that hit uh, Chase in stride. Probably was seven yards touchdown. Regardless, there's get, two, two there's two minutes left in the game. They're throwing they're throwing the <laughs> the ball. I so, and that was down. right after the okay. So that was right. Chandler got hit in the head, and then the teams were kind of barking at each other. So it made me think that uh, it was kind of a big F U to SMU. Yeah. Well, Rhett Lashley was – I mean, I think – all right. I was thinking about this today because I think Sonny heard a lot of that talk about, oh, well, TCU had all those close games last year. And last year against SMU, they played like – their ass off just to cut that lead 
to eight at the end of the game. So we go from beating SMU by 16, which was realistic, to people looking at the score saying, damn, TCU struggled with SMU, only beat them by one score. And Sonny just wasn't going to have that shit this year. That's why whenever the no safety was called, Sonny sprinted down the sideline to call a timeout and then proceeded to berate yeah. the ref. And you brought up a good point He last said night, something right? about that postgame. Too, I believe oh, something well, affected it being like the worst call he'd ever seen, or something. And Ray, Ray asked if we would have gotten the safety if Sonny would have tried to score with like a minute to go. And I was like, I doubt it. But then I was like, then again, maybe that's why he was so pissed about the non safety call because it cost us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in well, Sonny's uh press uh post game press conference, he said, uh. This American conference officiating crew should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> that that non-safety call was total BS. As long as they didn't screw us on pass interference calls, I was okay with the officiating. Um, I don't want to talk about this now, but just a question to ponder as we head off into the sunset tonight. Um, right a teaser. A teaser. A teaser. No, just we. You know, last year we go twelve and zero in the regular season. Yeah. And this year, um, frogs lose a game, and it'll if be you guys very have, hard to go twelve and zero this year. But exactly. But if you've paid attention to any national media podcast, anything about college football, they will not mention TCU one time. No, the, nope. unless we'll they're talking about a Colorado win. Right? We That's talked the, about this after the Colorado win. I said, what sucks the most is it's going to be like two months before it's going to be two months. It. It's going to be until they beat Kansas State. Exactly. In Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then TC will be finally back on the radar and potentially ranked, you know, by the grace of God. So potentially, potentially. Uh, but we've got work to do before that. The frogs are three and one, one and zero oh in the Big Twelve. We host West Virginia in a blackout, which should be a blast on Saturday night, seven p.m. Um, it's going to be packed. Uh, even I mean, we didn't talk about the 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 uh, crowd in the first half against SMU, but it was awesome. So we expect a big one on Saturday night. Um, until next week, actually until tomorrow, we'll have on uh, some West Virginia boys and we'll talk about the game uh, later on in the week. So we should get a second M- pod this week. Uh, MK, we quick thought doing- for tomorrow. When's the last Ray. time TC lost a blackout game? Just something to think about for tomorrow's podcast. There you go. I don't know the answer. All right. I appreciate you guys joining us. Thanks for coming on Post Game Beers. Hold on to it. Uh, we will see you all soon. Go Frogs. Go frogs. Go frogs. Go frogs.